0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast We pray that this message will bless you And feed your faith As you listen in today Praise the Lord Good morning church I, am. Um... There's something a little interesting right now in the church and I was talking to Carla about this yesterday and I don't want to get into it in major detail right now. But I think some things I can say when we're not online and we're not online in the nine o'clock service that I feel like I could say right now, Um, you know, back in Bible days when you were sick, you were encouraged to go to church and get healed. Huh? And the Bible says, is any sick among you? Call for the elders of the church. Now that's a person who doesn't have enough strength to even get to church, but he points sick people to the church. And the Bible says that believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And we it just seems like a lot of people today have great faith in the spreading of a virus, but not much faith in the spreading of healing through the laying on of hands. And uh, I think we need to get back to some things. I think we've slipped. Um, Believers are supposed to be laying hands on the sick and they didn't even say pray, just said, touch them and they shall recover. And I don't I'm not telling anybody to stretch and go beyond their faith and do something that you don't have faith to believe would work for you. But I do think we need to grow in faith. I think we need to get back to the faith of our fathers and quit thinking that a virus is more contagious than the healing in our lives. Because Jesus said that believers shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Don't try it. Don't operate there if you don't really believe it works, but shouldn't we at least get back to where the early church was? You would think the church 2,000 years later might be a little more advanced than 2,000 years before because we've been around a while and had time to develop and grow and increase. And sometimes it kind of makes me righteously angry to think that I would actually believe, me personally, that the spreading of a virus is stronger than the spreading of the healing that Jesus said is supposed to be coming out of believers' hands. And maybe it'd be good just to say this as a part of our confessions of good things. We, believers, are the contagious ones with the healing power of God. I'm quoting scripture to you. The Bible says Jesus, read letters, believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so I, I just... You know, and God, God could have said, and there's nothing wrong with, with with the alternatives and the natural. It's just the Lord said, "Is any sick among you?" He could have said what many things there. Right, go to the hospital of the day. Not against hospitals. Thank God, we're in the same business. You know, as a church trying to get people healed. The Bible didn't. Say, it didn't say, "Is any sick among you?" Let him call their doctor. They had doctors. Luke was a physician. And nothing wrong with doctors, man. If that's if that's where we're at in our growing in faith, then believe God will work through the doctors and you'll get a miracle because God can't work with pretend, but He can work with honesty. He 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 can even work with Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief. Guy got a miracle because he was honest. Well, I just. I think we need to get a revelation that we're the contagious ones, grow in that revelation, and really get, get it deep in our spirits that if somebody touches us or we touch them and they're sick, they're going to start recovering. We have power. We have the anointing in us. And, and uh, we just, I think we need to renew our minds, get back to contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. It doesn't just happen. You got to contend for it. And, I just, I believe in God that our church is headed there super, super quick and that people aren't going to, first thought isn't going to be, um, you know, the Bible says, is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church, point sick people to the church. Not that you can't go other places and receive some help, but there's healing in the church. And so I'm growing. I hope you're going with me. Turn to Hebrews chapter seven, Hebrews seven. I wanted to say this before we move into the offering area here, that there's a word in the Bible called tithe, T-I-T-H-E. It's, it's also called tithing, T-I-T-H-I-N-G. For many years in my life, I did not know what that word meant. I thought, tithing, that sounds weird. It kind of sounds like tongues, you know. These people speaking in tongues and the same people are into tithing. And it's like, I didn't understand it. Well, I didn't understand it because I never read the Bible. But I started reading the Bible and I started realizing the word tithe means a tenth. And the scriptures talk about tithing beginning way before God ever told people, you need to tithe. And I, and I, th- I thought, wait a second, tithing began before the Lord said through a written law, you need to tithe. Then why did they tithe? Why did Abraham tithe 400 years before the law? Why did his son and grandson tithe hundreds of years before the Levitical law or the Mosaic law? Where did it come from? Well, it came from their heart. It came from something deep inside. When they met God, something inside said, 10% of my increase belongs to him. And I gladly give it because without him, really, there'd be no air to breathe, right? He made the air. So they got a revelation. When they met the Lord, they wanted to tithe. And I had a visitation of the Lord a few years ago in my office here. And one of the main things that came out of this visitation, I'm I'm not talking about, I saw him physically, but I sensed his presence so strong I could hardly stand it. it. Lasted about an hour. But one of the things he told me is that he said, instead of just trying to, you know, get people to tithe and he said, son, you don't need to do that. Just tell them to meet me and they'll want to. And I wrote it down. Meet God and you'll want to tithe. See, God doesn't want us doing things because we have to, afraid something bad's going to happen if we don't. He wants us wanting to do what He told us to do because we believe that He wouldn't tell us to do anything that wasn't absolutely the best for us. And so I wrote that down. Meet God and you'll want to tithe. And I remembered Jacob had a dream and he met God in this dream and he saw a ladder going through a portal into heaven and angels of God ascending and descending on the ladder. He woke up and went, whoa, this is none other but the house of God. And right after that verse, it says he gave God tithes of all from that day forward. He met God and something in his heart said, I want to give 10 percent to the things of God in the earth. So that I can help his work, his will be done in the earth. Because that's how we, God doesn't need our money. He walks on streets of gold. But his work in the earth needs support. And he gives us the opportunity, an awesome privilege to be a part of that. Same thing with Abraham. Abraham met Melchizedek like unto the Son of God. You know, met Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of righteousness, king of peace. And it said, Abraham met Melchizedek after the slaughter of the kings and gave him tithes of all. I thought, wow, meet God. And you don't even need a written law to say tithe. You want to. Interesting. There's certain things, indicators in our life where you can tell if you've had a true encounter with the Lord or not. Or how deep you are in the things of God. And one of them is, man, you're not looking for scriptures to prove tithing's not for today. (laughs) You're wanting to do it more than the Old Testament because we're under a better covenant established upon better promises. Everything got better under the new covenant. Maybe our giving should get better. Maybe we should want it to get better. I mean, everything got better. The promises got better. The, the blood sacrifice got better. Jesus himself, the Lamb of God, everything got better. Why would our giving go less? <laughs> but, you know, you don't have to, we don't have to get in a war about any of this stuff. I just, I just encourage people, get close to God and do what you want to do. I said, just get really close to God and do what you want to do. How can you say that, Pastor? What if somebody goes out and gets drunk? Well, then they really didn't get close to God. Because if you really get close to God, you're not going to want to do something that He told you not to do. You want to be sober. You're going to want to be a sober saint. Especially in the last days. So, turn real quick to Hebrews chapter 7. And I wanted to say this just to give you something to think about. New Testament, book of Hebrews is New Testament. <clears throat> you say well pastor you're saying this because you're the pastor of a church and you need offerings and tithes and offerings for this church to keep going on you can judge me if you want and you can believe that's what my heart is I'm not going to try to convince you that's between you and the Lord but you better watch out because if that's not true then you're judging your pastor for doing something he's not doing can I t- I'll tell you why let me tell you the number one reason why I'm doing this because Jesus called me to feed the flock of God, this word over which the Holy Spirit has made me overseer, to feed the church of God, and I'm not gonna skip over these verses for fear that somebody may think I'm trying to make a poll for an offering. If I'm telling you to trust God to meet all your needs and not your employer, then why why would I be thinking all my needs are met because everybody in the church is gonna do what I ask them to do? No, God's gonna meet our needs. He's going to meet the church's needs. It's not even my church. Why should I be worried about the finances? I'm a worker in the church just like you are. And I'll get rewarded for doing my part just like you will. I'll get rewarded for faithfulness just like you will. The person who cleans the church is being seen of the Lord as doing something in his church just like I'm being seen of the Lord doing something in the church. Sometimes people say, well, pastor, You know, I want to do this and I want to do that. I I tell them sometimes, I don't even do what my, I didn't even do what my mom wanted to do when she was in the church, let alone even what I want. You got to see God about these things. Getting in disobedience is not safe, especially if you live there. You don't want to intrude in the things that you're not called to do. But the reason I'm doing, another reason I'm doing this is because I fully believe that what God said happens to tithers happens. I fully believe that what God said comes upon tithers is real and true. And I would be ripping you off if I didn't preach these things. Matter of fact, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want me to tell the people today during the offering? I prayed this, this is what came to me, You decide if it's from heaven or not, look in the scriptures, check the witness on the inside. If it doesn't witness with you, throw it out. But this is what he told me. He says, son, tell my people I want them to tithe so I can give them what they've been praying for. Oh, God, help me financially. And God said, if you tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven upon you. I'll pour you out such a blessing. You don't have enough room to re- receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Your businesses won't fail. Your crops won't fail. Everything you do will be blessed and everybody will call you blessed and you'll be a Some land. See how that's the answer to prayer? Yeah, but I'm under grace and I don't have to tithe. Newsflash. You have to work under grace to get wages You have to plant tomato seeds under grace to get a tomato plant. You have to pray under grace to get answers to prayer. Why would you think you don't have to tithe, but you automatically get the blessings of the tithe? You got to do other things to get certain things. Why would we think we don't have to tithe just because we're under grace? If you want the blessings of tithing, you're going to have to be a tither. But you're going to have to do it by faith and in love, not just because it's a law. So Hebrews 7. All right. Long enough, right? Hebrews 7. New Testament. Everybody say New Testament. Testament. In verse 8, the writer of Hebrews says, Here, men that die. Now stop right there. What's he talking about here? What are you talking about here? Where do men die? Earth. Say that again. Earth. earth. So what's he saying here? He says, he on the earth, men that die receive tithes. But what's the contrast? But there, now where would there be? Not on the earth. Come on, is he contrasting heaven and earth here? Is he contrasting here, men, here on the earth, men that die receive tithes, but there, Where? Well, definitely not on the earth, because you just said on the earth, but now there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed, he's alive. Oh, come on, church, do you see this? He's contrasting tithing on the earth and Jesus being in heaven and still receiving tithes. Isn't that interesting? Well, if Jesus is still in the tithe-receiving business, then awesome to think we could still be in the tithe-returning business. This is New Testament. Is Jesus alive? Is He in heaven? Does He still receive tithes? He does. When He sees the heart of it in the earth and the physical act of it, He receives it in heaven. There's more than just physical things happening during tithes and offerings in a church service. There's spiritual things happening that the Lord sees and receives in heaven. That's powerful. Tithing is way more than just 10% of income in a bucket. It's a spiritual part of worship that the Lord receives in heaven when we do it on the earth. Very, very powerful. I just felt like I needed to share that because a, a lot of people still think, well, I don't know. I don't know if tithing is New Testament. Well, Jesus is still in the tithe-receiving business. That's New Testament. And Matthew 23 says, don't leave it undone. Jesus said, don't, don't, don't leave tithing undone. Come on forward, Carla, with our tithes and offerings, please. And I, I, I wanted to, to say this. Jesus said, he said, um... He said to the Pharisees, Woe unto you Pharisees, scribes, hypocrites, for you tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, but you've omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done, but don't leave tithing undone. And as I was reading that, and Carla, I just, this was so interesting because I haven't even talked to Carla about this one, but I was so interested in that because I asked myself, people say, well, that was Jesus talking to the Jews. Okay. Okay then I guess justice, mercy, and faith is just for the Jews. Because it's all in the same verse. How many think mercy is for us? To receive it and to give it. How many think faith is for us? Well, how can we say, that's just for the Jews? Well, then you're saying justice, mercy, and faith, and tithing is for the Jews only. How, who, who has the authority to say, no, I'm going to cut this off here and say, justice, mercy, and faith is for us, but tithings for the Jews. No, it's all in the same verse. It's all for everybody. Yes. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Have a good Christmas. I'll see you next time. <laughs> no, don't leave yet. We're not done. Uh, so go ahead and put up on the screen ways to give. I know that was a little longer there than normal, but I believe it was exactly what we needed to do in here. So. I tell you, I just, I don't like ruts. I don't like getting into ruts. I don't like just doing something because we did it for 10 years. Or if God wants the whole service to be an offering, guess what? I'm going to do it. And if everybody leaves, I'm going to preach to empty chairs because I'm just going to obey the Lord. But the Lord cares about your finances. He cares about the state of your, your physical welfare. And this is one of the things He would love His people to see so He can multiply to them and open the windows of heaven upon them things he's been wanting to do for a long time. Prayer is not magic. When we pray, God usually tells us something to correct. And when we correct that thing, things work better in our lives. Can I get one amen? Amen. All right. (laughs) Just kidding. Let's stand up if you're ready, church. Did you guys, you saw up on the screen ways to give. There's approximately four ways you can give in Faith Heights Church. I'll go over them just quickly for our visitor's sake website faithheights.org click the donate tab real safe way to give Um, the text giving is super safe super easy just text the words faith heights to 77977 and it will set you up very quickly on a very safe and secure way to be generous and of course cash offerings and check offerings are also accepted in the church and you can do that by writing out a check putting it in the buckets here in just a minute front or back or uh, cash offerings, use the blank envelope in the back of the chair in front of you if you want a receipt for your giving. Heavenly Father, we're so, so grateful to be a part of your business in the earth. Father, thank you for lifting up our eyes and helping us to see things that would make us even more free, and more productive and more prosperous and more helpful. Thank you, Father, for showing us things in your word that just absolutely save our lives. We tithe and give offerings to you today, Lord, because we love you. We love your church, which is your body, and we love the people your church is reaching out to. Father, we want to support the same work that got us saved so others can get saved. Thank you for the privilege to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. As pastors and leaders of this church, we declare over every giver, You're sowing in good good soil, good seed in good soil. And Jesus said, it's coming back to you. Multiplied times more. And Father, we agree with them that it's happening in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say our confession together. It's Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's happening Come forward with your offerings or to the back in the buckets or you can be seated. And Lord, we honor you with our substance, the first fruits of all of our increase. We do these things, Father, with joy in faith. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Lou. Well, I agree with Carla. I think the church looks awesome. We're really thankful for the group of people that came. We were going to show you a video. I I took a few technical difficulties on that. Hopefully we can get it of the party we had yesterday in here. We bonded. (laughs) It was wonderful. Bonded even more. Um, One more prayer before we get into the word, because I really believe there's something very unique that the Lord has for us today that I think will really, really help you and your families. So agree with me. Father, we're asking that for the next few moments, the word for the hour from heaven would come forth boldly as it ought to. Lord, shake things up in our life if you need to. Wake us up. Quicken us, correct us, direct us, help us, heal us, do whatever is needed right now in our lives, Father, to be in the perfect will of God. Change us, Lord. We're we're definitely wanting to go beyond learning. We want to change. We want things to happen in our lives that make us more like you, Jesus. And so we're believing right now for an anointing, Father, to take care of all the business you want taken care of in this service. And we thank you for it, Lord. We expect heavenly, life-changing things from heaven into our lives at this very moment. We thank you for it. Amen. So in John chapter 8, in verse 31 and verse 32, we've been talking about identifying the devil's lies and getting more free. Because see, when you identify a lie, you're more prone to kick it out. And stop believing it. Do you understand? If the devil can get us to believe a lie, we're now using our God-given power to believe against ourselves. And bad things can actually happen through the creative power of God because we're using it wrongly. Do you realize faith is strong stuff? And if we're believing the negative, we're actually putting a spiritual force into motion that can eventually cause that negative thing to come into our life. Let me put it this way. Job said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And that which I was afraid of has happened unto me. How many know fear not is more than just a good idea? It's life saving. Job said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and he had some terrible stuff come on him. I mean, the devil had access. I mean, kids died, business was destroyed, boils appeared on his body, all kinds of stuff happened to him. And one of the things that we, we, people just kind of jump over is he said the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. We need, Proverbs says the fear of the wicked will come upon him. Fear is faith in bad things happening. And because it's faith, it's actually a God-given power used in the negative. See, the devil never created anything. He didn't create fear. He perverted faith. Oh, can I say that again? The devil's not a creator. He's an angel. He's a fallen angel. He, He didn't create fear. He perverted faith. Fear is faith. Perverted. Somebody write that down. Man, I've never said that before. Galileo, remind me of that <laughs> during office hours, please. Fear is faith perverted. The, 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 the devil's not a creator. He had to pervert some. He, he perverts all kinds of stuff. The Lord has the real and he tries to pervert it. Well, <clears throat> the devil wants you and me believing lies because he knows the power of believing he has to convince us that something is true before we'll even believe in it. And if he can get us using our God-given powers of believing in something that's wrong, he realizes we can use our God-given powers against ourselves to hurt us. I say, watch out what you're believing. And watch out, another way to say that is watch out what's trying to get you afraid Don't ever be afraid of a virus. You know, coronavirus is real, but fear of it makes it worse. Need to understand that. So we've been talking about this. So go to John chapter eight, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. Now, this is the Lord talking. What's the first word? Go ahead go ahead and it's an open class discussion. What's the first word? Right there, if. First word of Jesus is if. What's the second word after that? You. Stop right there. Let's have a seminar right here. Well, if it's God's will, I'll be healed. No, he said if you do something, you'll be healed. Mm-hmm. Come on, read the whole thing. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, if it's God's will, I'll get out of this depression. No, if you do something, you'll get out of that depression. That's right. Well, I pray the Lord heal me of this if it's his will. It's not if it's his will. It's if you and me continue in his word and do what he said. We'll know the truth and the truth will make us free. Yeah. We've got to quit blaming God. We've got to quit putting everything off on the Lord. It's called no fault Christianity. And it's unbiblical, unscriptural and wrong. And deadly. Church, do you see this? It's not if God. I want to get into something this morning if we have time, and for sure in the next service we'll have a little more time too, but I just, it's time the body of Christ hears this. And I don't know what you do on Facebook and I don't know what you do on YouTube. and I don't know what you do with your emails and what you do with your texting. But you better be texting some of these life saving things to people out there and quit just using it for social stuff. It's a tool that God gave us to spread the gospel. And man, just help your pastor get the word. I can't be everywhere you can be. Take this. Be a good steward. Be a learner. Be a disciple. Get this word out there. Share links. Share uh, websites. Share whatever. Share quotes, phrases. Do the work of the ministry. Man, we'll see a lot more people in heaven if it's not just all up to pastor. So Jesus said, if we continue, this is so, I'm going to, I'm going to share a couple things with you in just a minute here. You may have never heard before, might shake you a little bit, but we need to hear it because there's a lot of lies being believed by church people all over this planet. And those lies are keeping the church paralyzed and keeping the church from doing the works the Lord told us to do and setting people free that we're called to set free. And it's sad. So, turn with me to Genesis chapter... Well, actually, before you do that, go to James 4. James 4. And let's talk about a lie that we started talking about last week. And let's continue. This is part B lie number one. This is the formally, I already mentioned some lies, but lie number one that we're really going to get into in depth is this. You ready? The devil goes around, tells people, whispers in their ear. Ready? He says, the devil says, there is no devil. (laughs) That sounds funny. The devil says there is no devil. Do you know why he wants you to think there's no devil? Hmm. Do you all know Why would he be interested in promoting this lie? There's no devil. That's a myth. There's no demons. If there is. He'll never even they're out there in the ozone somewhere, just blah, blah blah. Why, why would the devil be so adamant about saying there's no devil? There's no demons. It's a bunch of bunk. It's not true Because you won't stand against him. You won't resist him, right? Like Darlene said, you won't rebuke him. Well, if you're going to be a good follower of Jesus, you're going to be rebuking some things regularly. How how many followers of Jesus? Anybody follower of Jesus? Now, he did some things as our substitute that we don't have to follow him in. He went to the cross, bore our sins, died in our place, praise God, our substitute. But what about Jesus, our example? Hmm? He said, Believer, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Well, he set an example for us. One of the examples of the Lord is, he rebuked things at times. You know why? Because he believed they were real. He rebuked demons, and they shut up and left people. He rebuked destructive storms, and there was a great calm showing us right there, destructive storms are not an act of our Father God. Jesus wouldn't be rebuking his Father. It's ridiculous. Jesus rebuked disease at times, and things left when He rebuked them. Well, if we're going to be good followers of Jesus, we're not just going to be praying, Oh, Lord, come down and fix us." We're going to be rebuking what He told us to rebuke. Hmm? You know, one of the greatest revelations of the New Testament is that we are Jesus in the earth realm. He's the head in heaven. We're the body of Christ in the earth realm. One of the greatest revelations is, Oh, hmm. Hmm. Maybe I'm the answer in this situation because I got the Lord in me. Okay, we are going to talk about that in just some more, just a minute. So James 4, 7, the Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Is anybody interested in yielding to God? I mean, really, 100% yielding to Him. Can I, can I just, all right. So when I'm talking about yielding, when I was talking about yielding to the Lord, He's talking about two things. Most people think it's one thing. He's talking about two things. Are you ready? He's talking... Social distancing. We have places to go in and out. Um, two things. He's talking about stop doing what you know you shouldn't be doing. Number two. Be doing What you know you should be doing. Sins of commission, where you committed an act you shouldn't have. And there's sins of omission, where you're not doing everything you know the Holy Spirit's been leading you to do. Now, whether you realize it or not, what I'm talking about right here is the reason for a lot of sickness and disease and premature death in the body of Christ. Many have stopped the bad stuff, but they haven't done the stuff they know the Lord has been dealing with them about doing. And sometimes it's been for years and decades. There is nothing like being 100% clean before the Lord, knowing you're in his perfect will. And what's little to us may be huge to God. I mean, this, this is a big deal. I mean, if the Lord prompting you, you know, to be a nicer person, but we just reject that and refuse that, how many know that can open the door to the adversary? If the Lord's prompting us to do something and we're just saying, well, no, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven when I die. Yeah, but how many of you want to go when it's time, not early, right? how many? I don't want to give any place to the devil. Does anybody want to give any place to the devil? I don't want to give it. So really, we need to take walking in the light really serious. Um, I was going to, I was going to share this. There's another lie that I want to talk about eventually. I don't know if it'll be in this series or not, but there's another lie that the devil talks to people about a lot. And it's kind of in a two part lie. He comes to people and he says, under grace, you really don't need to repent. Or, under grace, repentance is really not that big a deal because, you know, God's grace, you know, and we're all works in progress, and, you know, He's good, He still loves you. God loves people that die young every day, (laughs) and Him loving them isn't keeping them from being destroyed by the devil on their way to heaven. And, and this is something I know. This may not be the right service for it right now, but um, what would you what would you say if I told you there is one thing between us in mighty miracles, mighty signs and wonders, services where everybody gets healed, services where where angels appear and things are fixed on the spot. What, what would you say if I told you there's one thing we're only one thing away from Book of Acts. Power. I think you'd probably say, well, Pastor, what's that one thing? Let's do it, man. Well, what if I told you that one thing was repenting from everything we know is not God, whether it be stopping something or starting something? Hmm? Will the Lord ever ask us to do something uncomfortable? <laughs> well, Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, he'll, he'll lead us to do things that are uncomfortable. He'll lead you to do things you feel like if I do it, it, it you know, the world's going to explode and an atom bomb's going to happen or whatever. But... What would you say if I told you there's one thing between us and the healing of our land and coronavirus being gone forever, businesses taken off properly, evil in the country being exposed and dealt with and the country becoming one nation under God again? I mean, what would you do if I told you there's one thing? One thing, one thing you lack. The rich man came to Jesus and said, Lord, what lack I, what should I do that I may have eternal life? I keep the commandments. I don't commit adultery. I do this. I don't do that. I do Jesus said, great, that's wonderful. But you lack one thing. How many think it'd be good if the Lord said all you need is one thing? You're one step away from the virus being gone, a cancer-free city. Why can't we be a cancer-free city? By His stripes, we're all healed. What what if you say there's one thing? I'm just not sure how many Christians today want to stop some things or start some things because they're so attached to their lifestyles and their, their rut that they just don't want to get out. And the interesting thing about it is some people would rather die than to admit they were wrong or have to apologize or stop this or start that. And the sad thing about it is a lot of times they die way before they fulfilled the will of God in their life. If they're Christians, they go to heaven. But I, there's even things in my life right now, personally, that I know I feel like I should be doing of the Lord. That I'll have a greater reward for when I get to heaven. But part of me just, I don't know if I want to do it. In the natural, I'm talking about. In the spirit I cut cords. I break chains. I want to go all the way. But if you're too much in the natural, you know, I mean, there's some people I don't, I don't know if they, I just don't know. The Bible talks about being so entangled at times you just let it grow to the end and then we'll separate it, you know. But that's another day. So let's get back to this. So come back to your James chapter 4 verse 7. It says, submit yourself therefore to God. Ah, then the next part of the verse will work for you. I mean, know, it's very difficult to be yielding to the devil in one area and resisting the devil in another area. Hmm. I mean, he laughs. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to say, oh God, heal me this, but you're committing fornication every day. Well, wait, you're yielding to the devil and trying to resist the devil at the same time? How's that going to work? Oh God, help me out over here, but you know, you're being abusive over here. Or, H- how does that work? How does resisting the devil work if we're yielding to the devil or opening the door to the devil at the same time? How does that work? That's why James 4, 7 does not say Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So if there is no devil, then what's the Lord saying here? What's the Holy Spirit saying here? If there is no devil, why say resist the devil? And again, we want to to drive this deep. The number one reason the devil says there's no devil is because you won't resist what you think doesn't exist. You won't resist what you think doesn't exist. Does he exist? Yes. And he's an eternally defeated foe who's really good at lying and getting people to use their God-given ability to believe against themselves. He is not the most powerful beast of the field. He's the most subtle. Been around for a long time. Developed in this soul area for so long. We're no match for the devil without the Word of God. You You might think you are, but you're not. I'm not. We're not. The only way we're going to stay free from lies and quit believing stuff that hurts us is if this word has a constant inflow into our lives. Jesus said, you continue in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If the truth makes you free, then lies are the reason for bondage. And when those lies are exposed, we quit believing the junk, and we quit using our God-given power against ourselves. We kick the devil out, and we're free from the root. And Jesus said, that's free indeed. So, now let me say this, because this is what I wanted to to share with you before the time's out. James 4, 7, um, do you realize that God loving you and wanting you free cannot take the place of you and I resisting the devil when he comes to destroy Well, I just can't believe that God would just let my loved one die. And I just, I can't believe it. They were a good person. I don't know why God allowed that to happen. Newsflash. Not his fault. Can I ask you a question? All right, I won't. I'll ask the next service. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so here's the question. If a doctor prescribed you medicine that was a total 100% substantiated cure for your ailment and you decided not to take the medicine, would it be rational to get mad at your doctor? Why? He's the one who's supposed to cure you, right? You go to him, you pay him. Why, 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 why? I can't believe the doctor Let me get all sick and almost die with this disease. Did he give you medication? Well, yeah. Did you take the medication? No, but my doctor, it's irrational to blame God for something bad happening if those people didn't do what he said to get the healing, to get the deliverance. The Bible says, my son and daughter, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep these words in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Yes. Jesus said, if you continue in my words, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Why, God? No, not qu- qu- we got to quit saying, why, God? Right. Do you hear me, church? Yeah. Well, if God is love, why doesn't he do something? About all the evil in the world. I hope our kids in children's church know the answer to that. I cannot believe how many adult in church people in adult bodies don't even know the answer to that. Oh, I got a million dollar question for you, pastor. This one will stump you. Oh, it might. I don't know. I don't know everything. But not that. That question is easy to answer. That's one of the most easy questions I could answer. Why doesn't God do something about all the evil in the world? Actually, I got to the place where I, I, I thought, when I, answered, when I asked that question, I thought, dumb question. I, I'm talking to myself, not you, me. John, that's a dumb question. I'll Tell you what, read my book and you'll get the answer. There's only fifth. no, I'm just kidding, I don't have a book, <laughs> I'm joking. You need to think about this for a second. Why doesn't God do something about all the evil? If God is love, why doesn't he do something about all the evil in the world? Wrong question. Let me answer that in two parts. I wrote this down during praise and worship, but let me, let me say this. The newsflash is, uh, he has. Let me just ask you a question. Has has God done anything about being lost and going to hell? Has He done anything about sickness and disease? Has He done anything about, you know, tragedies and accidents happening to people? Has He done anything about that? Well, ultimately, He gave us everything, including His life. What else can He give? What are we doing with what He has done? If people die and go to hell, It's not because God didn't give them Jesus, they didn't accept Jesus and receive Jesus. If people die of sickness and disease, it's not because God didn't do something. By His stripes, we were healed, and if you get in His Word, that medicine will be health to all your flesh. Well, I don't know why God, I just, people get mad at God because loved ones, good, wonderful, God-fearing loved ones, die of a certain disease. Why get mad at God? Well, why didn't he do something? Give me a break. Look at his back. Look at what the whips of the Roman soldiers did. The metal that was at the end of those whips and the flesh that was ripped apart and by his stripes and gashes we were healed. Huh? Can I I tell you a better better answer? A better question? Did Jesus do anything for us? He sent His Word to heal us and to deliver us from our destruction. It's not His fault if we ignore it. You ignore the Word, you ignore your healing, and you ignore, you ignore your deliverance. Oh, I don't know why God didn't do so. He's given you angels. You ever learn how to use them? Did you ever learn how to put them to work for you? Who? Huh? <laughs> Come on, man. This is the way I was for many years of my life. I didn't know you could put the angels to work for you. I didn't know those scriptures were in the Bible that said they were sent forth to minister for us who are heirs of salvation, not just to us. I didn't know there are certain words I could speak that would cause the angels to work on a higher level for me and keep me more protected. I didn't know that. I was perishing for lack of knowledge. Well, pastor, why do bad things happen to good people? (laughs) Why do good people get shot at in a war, just like bad people? Because the enemy don't care if you're good or bad. But did God give you armor? Well, whose fault is it if we don't use it? Did God give us the Holy Spirit, the helper? Well, whose fault is it if we don't, if we're not interested in Him and we don't want to be filled with Him? Did Did the Lord, did the Lord shed His blood? Huh, did He? Well, it's not His fault if we don't believe in it or apply it. The blood didn't work unless they applied it, you know. Jesus said, drink my blood. He's talking about, you know, believing in what his blood did, applying it, talking about it. Now do you know why a lot of churches don't wanna talk about the blood of Jesus? Because the devil hates the blood. He hates the name of Jesus and he wants people to stay sick and in bondage and when the destroying angel comes, they go down. So here in closing, because I have to close. I'm sorry, but I didn't even get to what I wanted to. But this is good. I believe I got to what the Lord wanted. So the real question is not, God, why don't you do something about all the evil in the world? If you're love, why don't you do something? Here's a better question. You ready? Why don't we do something about it? Why don't we? We... We sing the song, the name, break every chain, in the name of Jesus, break every chain. Well, who's the name been given to? It wasn't given to Jesus because he's already got it. He gave it to us to use in the earth realm. Why don't we do something about the cancers? and the fears and the oppressions and the bondages. He gave us his name. He said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said, in my name believers cast out demons, take authority over the devil, rebuke what you got to rebuke, pray like you're a child of God, believe for results, see change. Well, I don't know why God didn't heal my loved one. Why didn't you rise up and heal him? Jesus said, go out and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you've received and freely give. It's time for the, the, church, the end time church is going to have to get a great revelation of the authority of the believer. Because people going down doesn't mean God didn't love them. He loved them all the way. And if they're believers, he received them in the glory after they left. But we are the body of Christ and we are commissioned and called to do the works of Jesus, to cast out devils, to pray prayers of faith, to expect the power of God, to rebuke storms, to raise the dead if necessary. It's us. Why don't we do something about all the evil in the world? We've been authorized, deputized, informed, given a name above every name. And the Holy Spirit can fill us like you filled Jesus, and we can go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Maybe not individually, but corporately as a church, we are supposed to be doing the works of Jesus till he comes. Why aren't we doing something about it? Don't ever get mad at God because something happens to somebody good that you love. That's ridiculous. We're in a war zone. Take up the armor. Take up the sword. Be a child of God. Do the things that Jesus told you to do. I don't know why God didn't do this. Because he told us to do it. That's right. I know that's a little strong, but we need that yeah. in this hour we're living. in. this coronavirus doesn't just need to be true. It's because of people afraid of it. We need to say, no, no, no. It's hard to do that, though, if you're not submitted to God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.